Hello and welcome to Happy Place. Lovely to have you here. This is the show where we step into the lives of others for just a few minutes in order to really see things a little differently. I'm Fern Cotton and today we meet the comedian who became a psychotherapist. It is, of course, the remarkable Ruby Wax. Okay, every part of your body is fighting you. It's going, come on, you idiot. What are you focusing on this for? But gradually, like pain doesn't stay in the same place. It moves around. If you've ever wondered how all of this mindfulness works, the science behind it all, this is the episode for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And now, should we do it? Here's the show. So I'm about to go round to Ruby Wax's house, which is rather lovely. Um, I've met Ruby a few times, but I mean a long, long time ago. So I'm really looking forward to just having a catch up with her and, and chatting about her amazing new life and career. She's gone from being one of the most sort of respected and loved uh, comedians in the UK to now being this sort of mindfulness guru, having... Uh, received a master's from Oxford University and gone on to write these fantastic books. I'm so looking forward to chatting more about how she's done all of that and how many people she's now helping with that new knowledge and passion in life. Hi, I'm so sorry. I couldn't get a taxi. Don't worry. Oh, shit. I'm really Don't sorry. Don't worry. Look, do whatever you've got to no, do. No, I'm, I'm here. Are you good? Now, when I say it was a few years ago, I'm talking over a decade. So we have quite a lot to catch up on. And some memories we would rather both properly forget. I'm trained so I can deal with the trauma. Go bring it up. Come this on. one is still pretty raw for me. We were, I mean, I was about nine, 18 or 19. Or yeah, I, was, I was a so child. Like 23. <laughs> yeah. We were on Comic Relief's Fame Academy together. Yeah. Living in a house. First, I don't care. I couldn't sing, and I stuck it to the end. Yeah, exactly. Everyone loved you. I was booted right out. (laughs) That's because (laughs) nobody knew who you were then. They didn't, and then you had the last laugh. I was a child with an awful haircut. Couldn't sing. I was so overwhelmed by the whole experience. I just couldn't. Oh no, because you know these these shows are a horror show now. But I was in there with. Joe Brand. Oh, so okay. that's already good. But she that's had to great. leave every night because she was lactating and they let her go. Remember, she was breastfeeding. That just completely went over my oh, head. You didn't know I was know too anything. in awe of everyone. And then I parked that one. Yeah. And I don't know if I've seen Ruby since then. No, you haven't. I haven't. Since Joe Brand and I did Cheeky Girls, which I thought was going to relaunch <laughs> my career. I thought I looked fabulous. And then I saw it. 13 million viewers saw 
my ass like a wedding train hanging out of my shorts. But the good news is she looked worse. Oh, so it's I okay. I that you did that. That's made my day. I came in second. I've blocked it. I've suppressed it so far No, I've down. had more embarrassing. So that really? was a highlight. Okay, great. I'm yeah. so glad. That was a highlight. Thank you for writing your books because... I love them so much and I didn't want them to end. And um, No, well, I'm writing another one good. now and it hurts so much. Why? It's I have to open the cervix again because, you know, it's just you and it and you see the horror of how bad your writing is. But after the Not step, bad in the it's slightest. bad in the beginning. Right, okay. It's really bad. And so um, I, I have to look at it now. I was in a cafe screaming at what was coming out of my hands because I'm dyslexic so it's not English mm. and gradually I translate and gradually it becomes English oh and it's the most beautiful English because I I just literally gulped those books down and um, I'm obviously fascinated in in that subject matter and research it as much as I can but I was taking away so many new thoughts that, that I I hadn't really stumbled across before so thank you so much for oh. that um <laughs> Fern, so, what have you been doing? Oh, just, just list bits the shows. And bobs. List the shows. Go oh, on, give even, it to you me. You know what? Okay, so after I saw you, yeah, I did a bunch of stuff, lots of different shows. I did Every stuff in show. America, stuff Every here. Show. But then yeah. I found myself going, "What's this all about? Yeah, what's this all about? I had kids and." what am I doing? And, and I'd sit in meetings and, pe- and I'd think, oh, please like me, please accept me, please, you That's know. the beauty of television. Yeah, you feel yeah. like shit about yourself all the time. So then I started to veer off and do other things and now I am the happiest, well, in my life and career, but certainly career, than I've ever been because I'm talking about things that I yeah, see. so care about. The only ones that make it through are ones either with no brain those are the lucky ones. Mm. They hold on to the career because mm. they assume they had one. Mm. Or, you, you know, at a certain moment, you're kicked out of the party rather yeah, than yeah. you leave the party. So I had good timing because I was just about to, you know, lose my job. And you you chose to leave. You weren't you weren't replaced. Yeah, were but you? you sense that the end is nigh. Yeah, yeah, or that things are so different that you don't fit in that anymore. Yeah, like I've I I don't know about you, but I lost my mojo. Yeah, and people go, "How could you do that?" Because you have the job everybody wants. But I'd be staring into the face of the person I was interviewing, and I didn't give a shit. Yeah, didn't give a shit unless they were so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. But eventually, the list is not A anymore. Mm. You know, because it is all starting with B and going down to Z mm. and I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't care that you've been in a reality show. In fact, it shows on my face. I'm not Graham Norton. I can't get that erection <laughs> smile. It shows hatred. My eyes show ex- exactly. Mm. And they said that's not palatable mm. for TV. It just doesn't make you feel good. You go home and just think, you know, you're lucky. You've got a job. Great. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah. You don't, it's not that, you know, now I feel very lucky and I'm sure you feel the same with all of your writing and the shows that you do that, you live and breathe it and it's your fire and you're geared up every day. I'm excited every day that I go and record a podcast or, you know, writing a book or doing a radio thing because I'm talking about stuff that yeah. I'm connecting with people. I feel really lucky that I, I get to do that now. Well, you're also lucky that you wanted it. Yeah. You know, those are the blessed. I mean, yeah. it took me a while to figure it out. 
because it's not like, oh, I think I'll leave TV and do this. I kind of, to be honest, got thrown out. (laughs) Not thrown out, but I got ill. Mm. And then I was too vulnerable. You know, I got sick. And then I thought, okay, got to reinvent because Mm. this isn't, I'm not going to hold on to this job with this depression. So I wrote a show about it so that I got them before they got me because you can't fire me from a stage Mm. show. I know I've read a lot about and heard you talk um, prolifically about the extent of that period of your life and and that you were institutionalized and that you you know you, you had a, a a really horrendous breakdown that you that you went through at what point in your life did you first feel depressed or understand what depression meant or know that something was not quite not right, right. You know, I had it as a little kid, but who knew what that was? Well, exactly. Because my mother, you know, it was only 10 minutes ago they thought you were possessed by the devil. I thought she was. And um, and nobody had that word. Mm. And my mother used to howl like a wild woman. You know, the kind you'd see in Jane Eyre things, where there's a screaming person in a turret. So that was my mom. I didn't realize it was a disease. I thought that was her personality. Anyway, they didn't commit. The police would come over every Saturday because she didn't smoke on Saturdays, and they'd go, you, uh, Chicago, right? Yes, mother is going through um, a, a change of life. You know, meaning menopause? Yeah. I said, she's had it for 87 years. Anyway, then when I got sick, nobody knew what that was either until I had my kids, and then they said, this is serious, this is depression. And then I felt good because I didn't feel good, but I got medication. Yeah. Because now you have a way of dealing with it so do you remember that first time when you thought what the hell is going on like what's up why do I feel why why I'm probably assuming everyone else feels all right and I don't yeah what yeah is, do you, well I felt it since a kid you know really like a tiny tiny kid no no but there's a difference between feeling weird and freakish yeah, which yeah, yeah, is yeah, my course. theme song always like not invited and freak when I you know a little weirdo when I am and have to fake being normal but the sickness I remember feeling Every few years, you know, where you feel like you're walking through some, you know, jelly and you it's and you can't get the, the mojo. There's no personality and you have to fake who you used to be. So mm. you have a big shit eating grin on your face. Mm. And meanwhile, nobody can tell. Nobody tells us something's wrong. So I had it a long time. Then if you don't take care of it, it gets harder and stronger and longer. So that's why 12 years ago, maybe more then I couldn't fake it anymore. Then that was the drop dead moment. Mm. Then I came out and said, okay, now I'm going to study something. So that I, not that you can cure it, but that I can deal with it. So is that to unpick it and to understand every element of it? No, of, nobody understands yeah, it. Yeah. That's why we're still living with. Well, exactly. Yeah. They never, they never gave the money for the one thing that could have cured a lot of other. Anyway, but let's not go into the politics of it. But that, that sort of launched me and I built a career. <laughs> In the beginning, many have followed since. And uh, my illness, and I think mm. if you've got it, use it. And well, now absolutely. everybody talks about depression. Yeah. I've got to get a new thing. No, don't, because as you say, we still don't know enough about it. Or, or, or certainly there's still so many, you know, myths around and, and people not really understanding the weight of it or, or how it can or affect that it, it's, it's not changed, tangible. Though. I know, but it's changed. Well, either is... Uh, di- you know, any disease, you can't see it. Yeah, so why do yeah. they get sympathy cards? Yeah. But anyway, that's not... I do what I can with my frazzled cafes, you know, where people can meet and uh, compare notes. And that's part of the relief. And then I haven't written shows about it because if you go on and on and on, 
it starts to look like your theme song, and I never wanted to have a theme song again. So I'm interested in the mind because I don't think anything's more interesting. Mm. Nothing. And it's endless. Well, you know, I mean, everything comes from the mothership. Mm. And for those of us who always wanted to know, you know, at 18, now they can look in and you can see your brain. Mm. So um, this is just to me like new drugs. Yeah. Yeah. When you uh, had that bad episode and you were then, you know, it was given a name and you could take medication. Is that around the same time that you also heard mindfulness batted around the, no, the I first never time? Heard, you... I never heard of that. And um, no, it was when Marina was born, my last kid. And then the guy said, you, you've got yourself a disease here, you know, because you think it's your imagination where, uh, you know, when you look at a menu, you think... Does it matter if I walk in front of a car or have a cheeseburger? Mm. You know, everything's got pretty much the same votes. And then you get really scared to move around because you can't choose right or left. Yeah. And you think, am I being a wanker? Is, is this just because I got so much going for me that I think, okay, I'm going to shut down? And but isn't that part of it as well, the shame around it and the sort of self-flagellation afterwards? Yeah, the shame of, is an extra yeah. bonus prize mm, you get. Mm. I always say it's like, it's not those usual, oh, you're an asshole or you're not good enough. It's more like white noise. Mm. And I've said before, if the devil had Tourette's, that's what it would sound like. Mm. It's just pure abuse. Mm. But once you have it, you can't do anything about it. It's not like go perk up like I didn't think of that one or eat grapefruits if people tell you that. And every, well, you know, jog. Cashews, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, Yeah. get something homeopathic. It doesn't work, sweetheart. This is cancer, you know. Mm. I mean, unless you believe in alternatives, which go for it, but I kind of don't. So for you, mindfulness was the. No, I looked a lot of stuff. I looked at a lot of stuff, and only 12 years ago, after the big, big one, I was trying anything. I didn't care, but I'm pretty practical, so I researched it. And it had the the best evidence in, in scientific journals doesn't mean it's 100%, but it was the most evidence that it was successful. That cognitive therapy and medication were top of the line. That doesn't mean it works for everybody, but I thought, oh, well, okay, I'll try that. And but then, you went to the extreme of that. I'm going to go to Oxford. Well, and I'm the, I am an extreme. Yeah, that's yeah. like extreme sport, but they were teaching it there and they weren't teaching witchcraft. So I thought there might be something to this. And part of the course is showing you what happens in your brain. Now, if you don't believe in uh, the brain, I can't help, you know, if you're a Mormon or whatever, I can't, it's, you're not, go, go, go have a wonderful life. But I do believe in seeing, if I can't see it, I'm not a, I don't throw angel cards. I, you can see the results of these exercises just the way you can see a six-pack if you do sit-ups. It's a no-brainer. You're not enlightened. You're not heaven bliss. Your thoughts aren't going away. It's just you're building a muscle mm. that's able to pull down pull down the bubbling cortisol, and that's the, that's the disease of everything. Because I love that in... Um, I mean, but it's not 100%. No, but you describe that in your book brilliantly, and with all the stats shown that you can reduce... What's that funny bit at the back of your head called that I can ever pronounce? No, the amygdala uh, is your point. alarm button. Yes. So you can reduce it. You, sh- you can shrink that by doing regular meditation or whatever mindfulness Yeah, and there's other things. You. you know, people who do... Uh, like martial arts, but they're taking their focus into their body. 
you know, once you focus in, even athletes get it, uh, immediately the amygdala goes down. But you have to do it on purpose. You can't just go to a gym and you're reading a magazine and watching TV and, uh, you know, smoking a cigarette. You have to kind of intentionally take your focus into your body or a specific area. Then your thoughts come. Then you take it back down. Then your thoughts, not all day, like for a minute. And that then the amygdala shrinks and the insula gets bigger and bigger. And that's the bit that engages when you focus on your body or mm. focus on your... Anytime you go to something physical, even if it's for a split second, you're building the muscle in another part that'll mm. help you anchor when the stress comes in and knocks you down. So when you started studying this, did you have a moment where you thought, wait, I'm practicing this daily or I'm, I'm studying about it daily and oh my God, I'm noticing the effects. It's happening. It's that, too slow. It's an incremental build. It's incremental, yeah. yeah. It's like, get, you know, when you go to the gym, what's the moment that you see? Yeah. Yeah. And then if you stop it, you think, well, why is it going away? And you think, sweetheart, you stopped it. Mm. So it's you daily have, discipline. It's, yeah. Or, you know, it, I mean, the point is you're teaching yourself not to whip yourself when you don't do something. And if it isn't for you and you're whipping yourself, please let it go. Because that's the main thing is... Stop the anger, anger, and the shame. But you can't do it by saying it to yourself. It's like saying, don't smoke a cigarette. You're going to smoke more. Mm. So then learning a little bit about how brains work, you understand where we get those negative thoughts. I mean, that's in How to Be Human. And once you know, you forgive a little bit. Like, everybody's got the same mechanism. Completely. And also, nobody wants to hear that it's good that you learn about this, and it's good that you practice it daily, and it becomes a discipline. They want a quick fix or a magic... your top tips. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's not that. It's, it's, Nothing it's a is new so. way of thinking about your whole life and an, an everyday discipline that, that you have to stick to. There's no... But everything, everything you learned, you know, from doing TV to learning math or language or crawling to walking, it had to happen every day. Mm. Uh, nothing happens overnight. Nothing. Yeah. But that's how, I guess, modern culture has... Um, but that's why we're in trouble. Well, exactly. We've yeah. ended up in a place where it is a quick fix for anything because we can get anything so quickly. But this is something that, of course, takes that time and effort and energy and complete and utter discipline. And, and that's what... But it's not hard. I mean, that's the no. funny thing. It's, not, it's much easier than doing a sit-up. Well, it's only hard today because we're so used to distractions and we're so used to that's the, the anti- constant this bombardment is the of, 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 of information. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we're possibly... Well, addicted to. Yeah, we're addicted yeah. to it. And we're not understanding that addiction, possibly. Because the bit that I loved slash freaked me out in your book was when you talked about the dopamine hit we're getting when we look at our phones. And I've always obviously known, don't look at my phone too much. But then sometimes I get lured into, oh, I'm answering loads of emails. I'm being so efficient yeah, today. Yeah. And I'm really being proactive. And, and then I was like, but wait, I'm still getting a little dopamine hit from that, from going, well done me. Or oh, somebody likes me, they've emailed me something. But it's, you know, you are being, I mean, that's the conundrum is you are being efficient but you're being ad- addicted to and the problem is we can't tell the difference no and let's not pick around you're never going to know the difference mm. but there's a moment where i can't explain it i get addicted too because we all need a hit and i they've taken drugs for me and i can't drink anymore so at least like let me buy a few cushions at two in the morning mm. it's all that's left for me <laughs> You know, mm. but um, there's a moment where it makes me sick. Yeah. And so that's why I kind of practice this so that I can, when I'm at the 10,000th email and I'm answering spam and it's got nothing to do with being efficient, there's a part of your brain you're training that 
observes behavior. Yeah. It's what a therapist is paid for. But you have a bit of your brain, which you can, in a scanner, you know, you can see the muscle build up. It's got a name. I don't have to say it because I'll sound, you know. Please say it. Anterior singular cortex. There, I'm a wanker. But I love, I love that. The, yeah, when, the, when they talk like that, I get excited. Yeah, it's exciting. But there's an area, and you can see more white matter, that gives you the ability to uh, sit back and watch. That doesn't mean you don't engage with everybody. Always says, oh, well, then are you separate? No, but when the shit hits the fan, you might want to stand back a little bit rather than go into your trigger of yeah. how dare you, you know, and get the anger. Mm-hmm. It lets you pause. That's yeah. all. Pause before you turn into the reptile. And learning about your own patterns. You know, yeah. I know that my pattern is this and my reaction will usually be this. And then, so it's not a big, like, you know, crescendo when it happens. You go, oh, well, this again. I know that I do. Yeah, this it's like a record now. It's yeah. like, a, yeah, of course I feel it. I'm angry. I'm jealous. Yeah. I have envy like you wouldn't believe. But there's a little pause that goes, maybe this is just a habit. You mm. know, maybe it's not true. Yeah. It's a, and a shrink would say that to you, but mm. now you're saying it to you. So you're saving a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> because I had a slight epiphany recently when whenever anyone says something horrible about me, which is often because I'm in the public eye, I have a really strange visceral reaction. And it's always quite a sort of strong one. I can go off for a couple of days feeling really shitty. And it's like, the other day I thought, why am I doing this? Let me break down what this feeling is. So like someone, Bob from Birmingham, has said that I'm a shit presenter or whatever it is. And I don't only believe what he's saying and sort of forget about all the things that I know I'm capable of. I believe what he's saying, but I go a step further. And that then weirdly morphs into, and this is the bit that I worked out, I'm a bad person. Mm. I don't know how I've made any correlation between any of that, but I am a bad person. And then comes the shame and the self-loathing, yeah. which is my, my default setting is self-loathing. You know, I'm a piece of shit. I'm not smart enough. I could have done better. Do you know that whatever. everybody in the world has it? Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. But for me, for the first We're time, I realised, yeah. holy shit, it's, I'm not a bad person. I don't need to waste two days feeling like shit. I can probably do this in about an hour. <laughs> and through mindfulness and, and you know, sort of learning about this sort of thing and talking to interesting people, I've managed to squish it into an hour of That's good. rumination and yeah. what the fuck and a bit of anger and then... I'll let that go. Squishing to an hour is good. Good. Yeah. Really good. Squishing to an hour. Do you think that your mindfulness discipline now and whatever exercises you partake in have um, hopefully sort of sped up your recovery time if you're going through a bad Do I squish it more faster than an hour? Not an hour, but I mean, if you're having a, you know, if you... I can let it rip, right? Right. And we're never supposed to lose that reptile part because if I was being mugged and I'm like, you know, giving you a little smile and a handshake, I'm dead. (laughs) So we need the reptile. That's, you can't throw the bath out with the baby, (laughs) whatever. But um, recently somebody hits my trigger and it goes into a snowball effect of generally I'm an idiot and I'm being taken advantage of and everybody's ripping me off because they see that I'm an idiot. There's my theme. And I let them have it and with sweat running down me and then... And then the pause came. It's too late, right? But at least I called him and I lied. I said, you know, um, Ed's mom's really sick. And uh, so so I'm really, really, you know. And then you can feel my, t- forget that, my toxicity. You know, my cortisol starts to come down. Yeah. You can do this for selfish reasons because every time you let it rip, you're poisoning yourself. Yeah. And that's what gives you every disease under the sun. Not mental, even. F- physical. Physical. You want to go down because somebody gave you a ticket or Bob said you're... 
thing was. Cr- mm. Well, you got the heart attack. He didn't. Well, this is it because everybody's living in such a state to kill of Bob, you know, right? Yeah. If you need to do it, then just go ahead and do it. Yes. Yeah. If Bob is a bad guy, if he's in front of you, sure. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What I love about your books also is you offer up all of these, you know, a real understanding of mindfulness, which I should actually probably start with. To you, what is mindfulness? Because we should probably... do that first so what what do you what because mindfulness gets battered about all the time and a lot of people go I think I know it's like isn't it meditating but they don't really get what it means or make a coloring book yeah or they make a coloring book or they feel like it's just not anywhere near their universe you know it's nothing I don't know anything about it so what does mindfulness mean the thing I studied at Oxford it was called mindfulness-based cognitive therapy and cognitive therapy which is like the most um you know the national health offer it it's a real practical therapy, and which is you don't have to go back into your story and its parents. This could take years, but it's doing exactly what you just did. It's noticing that every time Bob writes you a letter, you think you hate yourself. So it's watching cognitively your habits, yeah. but they have you write it down. Like you go, I walk into a room, everybody hates me, and eventually you start to describe the feeling. And by just watching that every time... You, you hit that trigger. It's if a friend told you, you'd go, wait a minute, this isn't reality. Mm-hmm. So gradually you're, and again, the physiological thing is those neurons are, are unwiring when you break a pattern and they create new patterns because everything psychological is physical. Yeah. This is, there's no little guy up there shouting. You're changing your brain. Yeah. So um, that's how you break the pattern. So mindfulness bit is, let's be practical. First of all, A, in a world of distraction, it helps you pay attention. B is it does lower the cortisol. So that's, you know, once you get the red mist down, you can focus on other people. So it's a thing that helps you connect to other people. Because if you're just in your world of self-loathing, I can't help you. Yeah, absolutely. And to be practical, some people could describe it in a more airy-fairy way. Mine is, it's an exercise to get that amygdala down. And that's the button that causes everything else. It doesn't mean it stays down. It doesn't mean you're now walking in a kind of vegetable state. It means that you're you're holding back your, you know, the cortisol. And then when you need it, you switch it on again. Yeah. So everybody else is burning out around you. Mm. Because when I want to go into turbo, I can. But right, like yesterday, you know, I know I'm sick. In the past, I'd force myself to keep working and then really get sick and maybe even hit a mental thing. And now I kind of can tell I'm at my tipping point. But just because I'm weak from going to India, that I have to really cool it down. Mm. Because you can hear your um, internal temperature. So I can hear when there's a depression coming. And only if you can hear it can you do something about it. Mm. You shut down that social media. You don't invite a thousand people to your house because now you really feel like you're a fake. Mm. You go, wait a minute, this is a real disease. I can hear it. So if you don't take pity on you, nobody else is going to. And then what's your next move? Sitting it out? How do you deal with you have a bad patch like that? Well, you, I know it's coming. I, have, I had it five years ago. 
there's no questions. Maybe somebody hits a trigger. Depression to me is just a a brain disease. Like, why did I get Alzheimer's? Well, you got it. Okay, nothing triggered it. It's genes and it's nature and nurture. You want to go into it, you know, then go become a neuroscientist. But it's both. Everybody says, did I get it from my mother? Well, if you have brothers and sisters, then they'd all have it. Mm. So it's more complicated. So when I could feel it coming, different than before, where I'd accept a lot of jobs and show up at events, save the puffin. I went to a charity. I thought, what the hell am I doing here? Well, just to keep busy, just to just take to your keep, mind off I didn't want to, I didn't want to look in. So yeah. real busy. Cause that mm. doesn't work at all in the end. That's when you really burn. And then, um, so I checked in a retreat that was 29 pounds and that was silent, you know, just, and I sat it out. That doesn't mean it doesn't hurt like beyond the Valley of the Dolls mm. and the devil comes into your head. But because I didn't get depressed about depression, I lost it after five days rather than five months. So it's, I love the expression, if you run from the monster, it'll chase you. But if you look at it, he runs from you. Mm. There was no cure for this thing. But it meant that, you know, you bite the bullet. It's horrifying. The noise comes, but it goes faster. And that's because you because understand I, it now. And because well, you, it's a disease. I'm not yeah. going to blame. I'm not going to. Why add shame when it's a disease? Would I shoot myself if my leg was broken? Yeah. But if you logically think that, you'll still do the habit. If you first cool your brain down and you practice doing that, then you can think clearer. Otherwise, you know, we go, don't do so much shopping, don't do that. If being, you know, ac- acrimonious, if that worked, I'm dyslexic. If that worked, then we nobody would smoke, nobody would drink, nobody Absolutely. would do late night shopping. If we yell ourselves more... We're going to do that habit more. That's just the way, again, it's a human feature. Yeah, but that's your understanding that's got you to that point. Because, Ruby, when I, for, I didn't have my, I had a big bad patch, um, you know, and I wasn't a kid. I was a full-grown adult, and there was a, a specific catalyst that, that really sent me off. And I did probably about a year in a vortex of hell, and I didn't understand any of it. And I didn't understand, not long ago, in the last 10 years. Right. And I didn't understand any of it. And it was all, you know, an undercurrent of shame, you know, subterranean levels of self-loathing. It was all piled on, you know, underneath it. But now, you know, that was kind of condensed into a year or so. It's a bit of a blur. But then subsequently since, and now I've dedicated most of my career and my life, because it's become a passion in sort of trying to understand it more or talk to interesting people about it um I in a similar way to you can I don't you're not detaching yourself from it because it's happening but I guess it's the language you use it's not I'm depressed there there is depression I love that you use that in your book I used it there is depression yes that's a good one that was from your book yeah but I stole it from somebody else well whoever thought of it is a genius because that that um acknowledgement that it's happening, but it doesn't mean that it's you. It's the whole reality. Person, yeah. You fucked up. It's it's there, and you do whatever it takes and whatever works for you to move out of those. And like you said about the staring in the face thing, I have that specifically with panic attacks. If I feel one coming on, rather than go, oh my god, right windows down in the car, what do I do? Panic. I go in my head now. My new thing in the last year has been bring it on, bring it on. Come on, then let's have a full blown panic attack, and it goes. It just, it's well, not going to happen. Focus on the sensation. It's just a sensation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, and they're thoughts. It's thoughts. Mm. And if you look at, if not look at and try to figure them out, because that'll send you into a whirlwind. But part of it is it, the minute you 
focus again it's always on a physical sensation which is a panic attack yeah if you focus on exactly where heartache is or panic it's so counterintuitive then it's just feelings yeah and thoughts are just thoughts Mm. okay every part of your body is fighting you it's going come on you idiot what are you focusing on this for but gradually like pain doesn't stay in the same place Mm. it moves around and somebody said pain is i didn't say this pain is pain but suffering is optional i thought that was good yeah. I didn't make that up either. I like that a lot. Well, I had a good teacher at I Oxford. I really yeah. like that a lot. But like, you know, that's what I loved about your book is I kept making little notes in the border and stuff because there are sentences like that that you can apply to those situations that do feel overwhelming or overbearing or unwanted and go, okay, I, un- I understand this. I understand what's happening. But that's not enough. No, you know, the discipline yeah. is also needed. All it's the to ex- say, send the, send the focus to the breathing or send the focus to your feet on the ground. Okay, your thoughts will take you, send it back down and you'll feel like an idiot. But even if you do it back of a taxi, in a tube, whatever, that thing is making that six pack in your insula stronger, which means the next time it hits, you can feel you can feel the depression rather than just go, oh my God, my life is over. So is breathing the one for you? Is that the way that no, you... No, I do like to listening it? too. You know, if you are in the tube and you just, to, you know, it's any sense. So if you just you listen, then take your, watch your thoughts creep in, then listen, then watch your thoughts. Any mm. physical sensation. Because I liked how you talked about mindfulness with your kids in Frazzled and saying, so you pretend they're an owl and then they have to well, listen for out kids. for the sounds. Yeah. And, I, and I have small kids and I thought, what a great way of them getting out of a rage they're in or obsessing over this mm. chocolate bar they want to, to actually listen and to be in the moment and to focus. It's hard for adults, but for little kids, oh my God, it's near impossible. There's all so, these little games like, yeah. um, what is it? Giving, like, they put a toy on the kid's stomach. Again, he has to practice. And it, they watch him give the toy a ride. And so the kid learns to send their focus wow, to the breathing. I love that. Or there's, a, you know, the... Um, is so this in How to Be Human or uh, frazzled. frazzled? Right. The kid shakes it up and he's, and they, the teacher says, this is your mind. And, you know, you, you have to just wait, wait, hold it still and watch it all settle. And the kid understands the calmer I am, the, you know, mm. the more my mind will settle. Mm. Or with the puppy, you know, if it's wild and it keeps jumping on your leg, if you kick it, it comes back. Mm. But if you stroke it and you're nice to it, the puppy calms down. Yeah. They well, learn I, how- I, I love that because, you know, Obviously, parenting's really hard sometimes, and your kids are like wild animals. And yeah. to actually stop and do some mindfulness for yourself to then deal with them properly and to, by osmosis, hopefully they pick that up. It's, it's hard, it's, but yeah. to know that it exists and that it can be a tool to use is a wonderful comfort, I think. Yeah. And um, what I love about your book is obviously you I see love that you love my book. I do. I keep going. Do on you about love them. the book? I'm, I really love them. Um, you have all of these tips and very practical takeaways that you can try and use. But also there's some spot on observations about why at the moment, you know, you look at statistically what's happening and specifically young people, I don't know, between young teen to probably 30, anxiety, depression, panic attacks are all at an all time high self-loathing. You know, it's kind of plateaued over the last few years, but it's an all time high. And there are lots of things, not to point fingers at or blame, but things to look at. So we can perhaps problem solve and look at other options. So one of the first things being politically, what was going on in the States and then probably subsequently a little further down the line in the UK with how we were 
we started to think as individuals rather than as a community. And that was a real switch in time where politics almost sort of moulded you into a society that had to think in a very singular way. How the hell do we get back to thinking like a community again? Because that's, that's going to help save us, right? That's what I was right? working on all morning. My, okay. my next book is about not the future in 20 years, but how do we flip everything on its head? And maybe it can't even be done. And exactly this morning I was saying, were we always as self-centered? Were we always as... And so... We can't have been, though. No, we don't. It we ha- were in tribes and packs and Then we were at our peak. And then... then and, and listen, you can't say... It's like saying about technology, ooh, let's fight it. It happened. That's like a, stopping a child growing up. Mm. The world grew up by our uh, agriculture. And then we had, this is mine, and that don't touch it. And then war started. And then a guy... I, I, I was writing it this morning called out, well, Rockefeller wasn't helpful and Car- Andrew Carnegie wasn't helpful. They started to say, it's natural, it's nature that makes us the aggressor. And they made up the word survival of the fittest, meaning the toughest win. Darwin didn't mean that. Mm. And so we started to think, like uh, Gordon Gecko in uh, Wall Street said, you know, it, greed is good, greed is thing, the poor have to suffer because there's a reason for it. That only started at that time. That wasn't then. That wasn't before. And so we still connect. And now religion caught on, you know, the Christian right, saying, yes, if you're poor, you deserve to be poor. And the rich really should take care of themselves. And that's become our ethos ever since the industrial age. It wasn't always there. Now, how do you turn it on its head when we live in more and more fear? That's my next book. And it just might be, can you swear on this show? Of course you can. I don't fucking know. Yeah. And that's what I'm learning in my book. Mm. I don't know. Mm. But I'm, um, one chapter's on what schools, what's, what's not the future, but right now, are there any green shoots in how they're training kids? Like mm. you're saying, mm. what are they doing? How are they getting their minds Schooling more? has to change. Yeah. It has to change. Then I'm with AI. That's almost impossible. Mm, is God. there anything in AI that's working not just physically, which is important, you know, to give you a new stint, but AI emotionally. scares me more than anything. Well, it's, it's coming. Terrifying. Yeah, but it's coming. So, like, I had somebody yesterday and somebody else is coming today who's building robots. And so, I need to know. I don't I, want robots. Well, you know, shout all you want. I know. Yeah, it's coming. It's terrifying like, because surely that's going to emphasize that individuality. You don't know, the, though. I'm trying well, to find the green shoots. I don't know. And I, I may just answer. say... Th- there's not going to be an answer. No. But is anybody working for the good? Mm. That's all my question. Rather than it always rooting back to money, which is the problem? It's always the minute it becomes commercial, it's spoiled. So how do you turn the economy on its head? I mean, I, that's another chapter. But yeah, I that's don't, another book. I don't know. Yeah. You're talking about somebody who knows nothing. Mm. But I'm okay. going to talk to some experts. Well, you definitely don't know nothing. Okay, yeah. well, let's talk about religion then, because you just, you just mentioned it. So even if you're not religious, I don't necessarily relate to any particular religion but I have beliefs and I have faith but I also think that like a lot of people out there who aren't religious I sort of subconsciously still buy into guilt and shame which it probably is derived from a religion I mean I'm not being spooky but I was literally in a restaurant that's where I tried to get a taxi and why I'm late (laughs) because I was writing about I could show you for the next book it was about Guilt and shame and uh, envy and, you know, viciousness and how that ties in yeah. with um, what religion did for us. Yeah, because it's obviously there's well, it helped things you. about religion. But, the, but the, the caveat to all the faith and the hope is that the, the, the guilt and the shame. And I think 
for me, that's where a lot of my self-loathing will come from. I think, from. no, we have all guilt and shame. And again, in, in how do you how to be human. It says these things were made for a reason. You know, disgust, we had to pull our lip up and make a face so that people would know that's poisonous. Don't eat it. Mm. Shame was for feeling, you know, before language, feeling, oh, my God, the tribes, I'm letting the tribe down. And so shame was created. And then guilt made you feel, you know, it's enough. There's another reason. Everything had his reason back then. Now, we're bo- we have these traits, and now they're misfiring because we're applying it to not being invited to the party yeah. rather than its pure form. Yeah. So I was writing, religion was wondrous to say, well, put your faith in somebody else. It's mm. not your fault. So the gods took away the pain in a way, um, and I envy them, yeah. you know, because we suffer with the guilt. They go, oh, please, you know, if you have somebody to ask to help you, it's much, the load is much easier. Well, having any sort of hope or faith gets you out of bed, doesn't gets it? Otherwise, you, out of bed. you wouldn't leave the front so door. So the rest of us who don't believe in Santa yeah. are left scrounging around going, oh my God, I'm such a terrible person. Yeah. I have guilt. They're going, oh, well, we all have guilt, but Jesus can fix it. And then looking at technology, um, one of the main things i guess technology is has done over the over, sort of over the last decade is is emphasize comparison so now we all think we know what everyone else is doing we all make huge assumptions based on like 1% of somebody's life because of social media the internet how we fed news all of it and how comparison is really affecting our mental health you know it's omnipresent because of social media now and how the hell we tackle that because you know there's some brilliant mavericks out there doing great things on social media online being very authentic and real and, se- and creating a sense of community but brilliant people like Bryony gordon who oh, yeah. is an amazing just anyone who's doing the thing that is connective i guess and and positive and and being authentic rather than the other side of it which we all make assumptions on people have these perfect lives everything's great and that is of course for the for the younger demographic so detrimental to and we've seen awful things happen because of that as well and I guess again looking at the mindfulness around that and how we don't buy into it and how we look at those patterns and and again if that's reversible our only hope is some kind of training of the mind it might not be mindfulness so far when I asked that question Nobody else knows another exercise, you know, mm. but hopefully someday there'll be a gym and some a mental Fitbit that'll say, okay, your cortisol's up. Here's something to do. Listen to music, breathe, breathe, whatever. It'll tell you to cool it, which means even when they're negotiating for peace settlements, mm. people will know we're not making sense anymore. Who knows? But the thing is, it's, it's I hate to say it because I love money, but it's money that corrupts. I don't know. You know, the minute there's a Bryony Gordon or anybody, you know, that did it pure of heart, which supposedly Zuckerman did too, the minute cash comes in yeah. and it, cash talks and bad news talks. So how do we stop our, you know, it isn't, okay, I acknowledge now it's not really the human condition. It really only happened a few hundred years ago. And we're only 5,000 years old anyway, mm-hmm. so we're babies. But can we flip it on its head at some point? You, to be honest, right now, I don't think so. But so that's why I'm... Does it implode because it's getting so ridiculous now? Is that... It won't, no. It, we'll yeah. have to create another race. Or, mm. you know, we'll be cyborgs and we'll be able to live longer. But all of this is coming. Nothing is an accident. Mm. You know, we had to develop language. We had to develop um, 
then everything that we created, our evolution is always an extension. So even our ears, you know, so we could hear further, then language came, then, uh, you know, um, transistors, then television, then we always, always will keep expanding it. And you can bang your fists. Mm. That's how we are. But is that why we're struggling? Because yeah, mentally because we're it, not evolving at the rate that everything exterior is to us. It, you know, you're complete, our brains, part of it is still Stone Age. It yeah. doesn't know how to work all this equipment. And maybe it shouldn't evolve in that way maybe we should be but trying that's to why we're it. but that's why you're overwhelmed yeah you know um it's because we as uh, i'm thinking as a species we've survived as an individual we're going down yeah so how do you answer that question i don't know <sighs> fuck yeah but i find all this interesting in Frazzled, you go to a, a retreat and you... I'm going to one again on oh, Saturday for 10 days. I want to go to a retreat. When my kids are it's older, so I want to go to retreats. I know, but I'm so into that. Yeah, I'm, I'm it's up hardcore. For the I'm up for this specific exercise where you sat in front of someone and you looked directly oh, yeah. into their soul, essentially, through their eyes. And you had to feel compassion for each stage of their, their child. You didn't have their, to. You you, was, it was suggested no, that you would do so. It no, it doesn't. You just do. You just did it. If, you, if days and days go by where you're facing the devil in your mind because when you do these retreats it's 12 hours a day of mm. mindfulness which is breaks people but yeah um you do in the end it's like arm wrestling part of your brain just goes okay i can't take this anymore and it sort of gives up <laughs> it's still things come in but the voices are so quiet and you taste you know i fell in love with the digestive because you taste <laughs> food you're not blithering and your mind is pretty quiet yeah. so you ta- people's eyes are rolled in the back of their heads and also fell in love with a potato. And I broke the silence, ran into the kitchen and said, how did you make this potato? And they said, with a potato <laughs> and oil from Tesco's. Love I'd it. Never, but, um, Your uh, appreciation was high. Oh, man. And you watch ants. They're walking around. And you watch their business and things. So this exercise, right? When so then, so sorry, yeah, you couldn't do it right off because you'd laugh or you'd be embarrassed. But after a few days, to bring you back, because the point of all this exercise is so that you pass your state to the next person. Because okay. I love that we work like neural Wi-Fi. So why people do these exercises, this isn't to sit in their cocoon of self-absorption, but that if you're a mother and you can cool it down, that's the only way you pass it to your yes. kid. And then they pass it and it ripples effects. That's how you improve the world. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. by some politician telling you, yeah, you're going to save your taxes. It's by cooling yourself enough that you'll be able to figure out, okay, now I have to put the phone down. Now I have to go do that. Within your capacity, mm. you know, are you going to change the world by shouting? No. Figure out what's your capacity. But anyway, <clears throat> eventually to bring us back in some, uh, into connection, because you've been sitting there for more than a week, he has you turn to each other. I mean, it's, you're not impromptu. Somebody's leading you. So you look at the other person, and you haven't spoken for quite a while. And one by one, you tell each other what you had hoped for as a kid, what made you laugh, what was But upsetting. just through your eyes. No, you're no. not speaking, or you are speaking? No, he's asking. Right, okay. He's asking, um, look at each other and think, what was it like as a child? And you are looking at each other. So you start to see beyond how you... Uh, label them because if I look at you I think oh she's really successful and she's really pretty and it could evoke my envy but when you look in the eyes and somebody says what did you feel you know when you were a little kid did you feel failure when was you know what was it like when you were playing then as an adult what was your first disappointment what made you really and you're looking at another person and you see right in Mm. and boy do you make you make a connection stronger than 
anything I've ever done with a friend. I mean, you see people almost weeping because there's somebody else like you. Yeah, well, because we are all the same. All the that, same when you look deep in. Now, imagine mm. they do negotiations like that. Well, I mean, exactly. you can't. But mm. imagine it, that the, there is no them in us. But also just living like that, because we, you know, we are all slaves to our phones to some extent. Even if you're not big on social media or emailing, you know, we do rely on them for so much. And, and that does dilute our face-to-face time and, and our eye contact and, and the need for that. And perhaps, again, it's getting back to basics with that, you but know. we just might not. We just know? might not. We just might not. And um, the guy who came over yesterday has a robot rabbit, and it it responds to your touch. So it like a cat, it moves. You know, it it shows it moves in a kind of loving way. Its pupils get bigger or smaller, and so it creates this feeling of love. You right. know, but it you'll say it's not the real thing. It isn't the real thing, but. Like in Japan, they need robots now, and a lot of these old people who are isolated, it's better than a kick in the ass. Yeah. I'm not for it. I'm just saying that's what's on the market. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're going to get it artificially, maybe. If we I can't don't have want a robot rabbit. You might not have a choice. I know. You get a that's... robot husband. No. I mean, sometimes that would be cool, but no. Yeah. But it's a no for me. But I'm telling you, I'm not talking about next week. I'm talking about, you know, maybe five years. Yeah, it scares the shit out of me. It's coming. That's the thing, is that we are scared shitless, and that's keeping us also in the dark, Mm. is that we have to start saying, lower the fear. That's the first thing. Is there a positive, even in that fear, in, um, you know, if we are all scared of change like that, and we're scared of of how dark it could go or how weird it could get, that actually then we have to take note of the basic, the simple, and getting back to... Yeah, that's your choice, though. That would be your choice. Yeah. do you really, is it not a reaction, do you think, then? Globally, that's not going to be a reaction that we all go, oh, I we think it'll be an individual that. thing. Yeah. Is that, like in uh, Frazzled, where I have a brain scan before and after a retreat, I always try to go on the journey in the book and then in How to Be Human. I had to do, the, the book ended with forgiveness, and I happened to do uh, Who Do You Think You Are? And so it took me on a, my own journey. I mm. can't just write the book. And so this one, with this book, I want to see, can I... I don't think I can um, walk the talk a little bit. I'm not saying extreme. I'm just saying I want to see what happens in a year. Mm. Can I do? I already signed up to do to work in a refugee camp in March. Now, I've never done that. And I'm not saying that'll make me into a good person. But I'm trying little driblets of what does it take to get us off our addiction of greed? Because I'm as deep as you can get. I am the greediest. Well, I think maybe Gordon Gecko might be worse, but... <laughs> I'm greedy. <laughs> I want to see if I can get off it a little bit. Mm. Well, I think that's bloody brilliant. I can't wait to read your new book whenever it oh, gets well, done. I might never get done. Of course it's going to get done. It's well. g- I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to. And we should let you get on with it. And um, just thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. I love seeing and you. your energy and your words. It's Even been though so I've been nice sick. talking to you. Well, thank you so much, Oh, Ruby. no. I love you. Thank you. Ruby Wax, I bloody love you. Thank you so much for coming on Happy Place and basically sharing all of your knowledge with us. I, for one, can't wait to read that new book. Cannot wait. Now, next week we meet Brit Award winner Sam Fender. So there's a line at the beginning of the prelude 
it says I'm firing on three cylinders if only I knew what you meant and that was actually the last thing he said to my friend Richie he was like oh Richie said oh how are you doing he went oh I'm firing on three cylinders and Richie just didn't think anything of it and obviously that just he just meant oh no I'm not fully right you know what I mean Hear that and all of our past episodes when you subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere really. A massive thanks again to Ruby, to my producer, Mr. Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and you lot, seriously, right? Thank you for listening. Thank you for leaving comments on Instagram and wherever you listen to your podcasts and also for you know occasionally stopping me in the street and giving me a hug because you liked it it really means the world because i love making this podcast so thank you and i'll see you next week